Good evening. We are waiting and I couldn't wait any longer. Can you? You ready to get going? Great. Well, I'm Carla Hayden with the Enoch Pratt Free Library, and this is a very special edition of our Writer's Live series. Now, tonight I'm feeling warm, and I think some of you are too, because we have spring fever. The temperatures are rising this week, and we're only 13 days until the first day of spring, and guess how many days until the Orioles' opening day at Camden Yards? Can anybody tell me? How many days? 28 days until opening day at Camden Yards. So like the rest of Baltimore, I'm ready for baseball season. And we can't think of a better way to start the season but having our special guest tonight. I see a lot of baseball fans and O's fans and teams from different little leagues from across Baltimore in the area. And I know that there are children and young people here from rec centers from across the city. So let's do a little shout out as we get started. When I call your rec center's name, I'd like you to give me the loudest cheer you can do. Like after Chris Davis makes a home run at Camden Yards. So let's start with Carol Cook. Okay, Edgewood Lindhurst, Robert Marshall, Lillian Jones, okay Lillian, come on, John Edgar Howard, Herring Run, J.D. Gross, <laughs> Mount Royal, Laurel Park, Faring Baybrook, Solo Gibbs, Roosevelt, Whoa. and I'm right here, so I got that one. And to really end it up, Bentlow. Well, welcome to all of you, because when our special guest comes on, I want you all to do it at the same time. He's a living legend. He's most remembered for playing a record 2,632 straight games for over 17 seasons, shattering the record previously held by Lou Gehrig in, at 2,131. He was a 19-time All-Star and is considered, and I don't think we're being prejudiced here, one of the best shortstops professional baseball has ever seen. In 2007, he was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame after earning the third highest voting percentage in Hall of Fame history. He's CEO of Ripken Baseball, Inc. We're almost ready. And he is also as you'll see tonight, an accomplished author. So following this program, there'll be a book signing behind us right here in this department at the information desk. Cal Ripken will sign copies of The Closer, which you can purchase from Greetings and Readings. Shout out to them. He'll be able to sign those, but nothing else like memorabilia and things like that. So make sure you get your books because we are going to give a big Pratt Library welcome to the Iron Man himself, 
Mr. Cal Ripken, Jr., joined by his co-author, Kevin Cowherd. Come on! That's you. You did pretty good. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, hey, can everybody. You guys hear me? Can you guys hear me okay? Maybe. All right. Raise your hand if you're too young to ever see me play. <laughs> thank you. Well, thanks for coming out here, folks. We really appreciate it. Uh, my name's Kevin Cowherd. You seem to know this guy here on my left. I uh, just want to tell you a little bit about our book. Uh, thanks so much for coming out. Our, it's our uh, sixth book of a series that we have. Uh, this book is called The Closer. And uh, unfortunately, it's the last book of the series, but we might be able to do something else somewhere down the line, right? So, uh, tell you a little bit about the series. This is the sixth book, as I said, and every one of our books has uh, dealt with a kid who's had to overcome a life challenge. Uh, so, our very first book was called Hothead, and it was about a kid who had a terrible temper and uh, had to overcome this temper. He would strike out, he would bang the bat, uh, slam the bat, uh, he'd make an error, and he would... Uh, throw his glove down, and uh, believe it or not, this was uh, sort of loosely based on a, a kid from Aberdeen High School who, uh, who actually went on to be a uh, longtime major leaguer and a Hall of Famer, so uh, Cal's life actually uh, hey, <laughs> provided hey, the fodder for this. What, what Kevin's trying to say is that hothead character was me. So when I was a kid and things didn't go right, you know, your emotions get really uh, the best of you and you don't know what to do with those emotions. Do you know any kids that get mad and have a bad temper or, or get angry? Yeah. So you got to figure out how to, how to deal with that, right? And my mom was really cool. My mom used to say, why do you get all mad? Why do you do those things? Why do you throw your helmet? Why do you throw your glove? And uh, I would say, I don't know. It just uh, power comes over me. And my mom said... When that power comes over you, think for a minute and try to do something positive with that power. And I said, like what? Why don't you do push-ups so you can't do push-ups anymore? Why don't you go run a big lap around the field? Why don't you take batting practice in the uh, cage for a while, tap into that energy source, and then you're benefiting from that. So you're, you're getting the gains. So you're, you're stronger. You uh, can run a little bit better. You get better shape. Or you work on your skills. So the cool message there was my mom, not my dad taught me this, my mom taught me that every time that I started to lose my temper, that I started to think, how can I make it work for me? And that's the channeling of this power that you have. My mom said it was a really good skill to have. And so she didn't make me feel bad. She didn't grab me by my ear and say, you're not playing. She brought me along. And over time, it didn't happen magically, but over time, I started to get it. And when I started to get it, I had a reputation of using that power source to help me succeed. And uh, so then I, I was someone in, that had a reputation in the big leagues of not, not losing my cool, 
keeping my control and it allowed me to have success. Now, there were still times when I got mad, there were still times that it bothered me, but I knew how better to handle it. So it was a wonderful uh, opportunity to write that first book, to, uh, to give kids a chance to read it and then kind of relate to it and then maybe give them a tool or two that uh, they, could, they could help themselves with. So, uh, so each of our books has, as I said, dealt with a life challenge. We've, uh, we've written a book about a kid who was overweight and uh, was bullied. Uh, the name of that book is Supersized Slugger. We've written about a kid who had a uh, overprotective, um, I shouldn't say that, over-involved dad who, uh, who really made his life miserable. The dad would show up at ball games and curse at umpires and yell at the other team. And that's something that we think a lot of kids have gone through, too. Uh, so each of our books, as I said, dealt with that, dealt, have dealt with the challenge. Hothead, I didn't know until we actually started writing it that, that Cal had such a temper as a kid. Because as a major leaguer, he was the definition of cool and controlled. Uh, so it just goes to show you, you know, kids develop at different ages. Cal, I think you told me you were about 14 when you kind of, uh, your temper started, you started to get a grip on your temper a little bit. Well, I, I can't remember exactly when that is. It was a work in progress. And I would say 14 to me was, uh, was a freshman in high school. And you had to start to deal with that in, uh, in a little bit more of a, a grown-up way. But I think I started to get it, you know, before that time. Our latest book, so you get the idea. We have these, uh, these uh, situations that we're trying to help kids in. Many of them which I experienced myself and that I had insight to. And that we would write so that kids could uh, learn. This last book of the series, the sixth one, it's called The Closer. This is the brand new one that uh, we'll be signing the books tonight. This one deals with sibling rivalry. So I, had, uh, I grew up in a family that had four. My sister was older than me, then it was me, and then it was my brother Fred and my brother Billy. So my dad was in professional baseball, so when I came along, there was a little expectation and people looked at me and scrutinized me a lot. But I, I, by and large, I had a chance to learn on my own. And then by the time my brother Billy, who came in four years later, when he came up, um, I had already been in the big leagues. I was the rookie of the year that year, the MVP the next year, and my brother Billy got drafted to play pro ball too. And then all of a sudden, everybody was expecting him to be me. And they would say certain things to him, well, you're not, you're not like your brother, you can't do this, you can't do that. And Billy had a harder way about it. But the thing about Billy was, he just tried to be himself, because that's, he played 12 years in the big leagues. And he, he didn't have the power that I had at the plate, but he could do other things defensively that I couldn't. So it was really interesting to take that uh, and, and really even teachers in school. If you've had uh, older brothers that go through school or I had an older sister and she was really smart and you come along and the teacher expects you to be the same way as your sister was. And the lesson here is that we're all different. We all have very special talents. Sometimes we have to discover what those talents are. Uh, I, was, I, as a baseball player, could, could hit and I could throw and I could do those things. That was my special talent. Um, and so as we go through, we all have them, so we just need to find out what they are. And then when you find that talent, then you develop it, and then you try to do something with it. So I have a son now. My son is 22 years old. He'll report to spring training tomorrow. And my son is playing in the Nationals organization, but he's just starting out. He's on the grassroots. He's on the bottom rung of the ladder and he's trying to figure out whether he can make it as a pro baseball player. He's got some talent, but the expectation and the scrutiny on him 
is way up here. I mean, they look at him and go, uh, why can't you be like your dad? You know, uh, your dad's a Hall of Fame player. You know, you, you, you're not even going to make it. So they get on him all the time. And kids from other fields will come over and go, okay, which one is he? And at a level when you're a kid, you need to have the freedom to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. No, I mean, especially when you're learning, you're not perfect yet. You're not polished. I wasn't. But somehow they, they expect him to be. So the whole purpose of this book here was to give you a sense, give you an idea how to deal with that and really celebrate who you are and uh, take the special skills that you have and make the most of it and don't try to be somebody else. So we've had a great time with this series. Um, You know, we were on the New York Times bestseller list and we've also sold a lot of books, but I think um, what, what is the most gratifying thing to us is we've heard from so many parents and so many kids who love the series and like the life themes that we, uh, that we talk about in this book. Um, and I think you're going to find that The Closer is, uh, is, I think, our best book, Cal. I really do. Um, well, when we, uh, Kevin has the ability, uh, I was a baseball player, right? I told you that. I could throw and I could hit and I could field. Um, I also have some skills at putting things on paper, but not nearly as good as this guy over here. So I needed some help in shaping the book. Uh, he brings the characters to life really well. Um, the humor inside of the books when they're uh, talking on the mound or talking in the dugout. Um, my job was to make sure that it, it felt a baseball authentic. Um, but his quick wit and humor and the, the ability for kids to actually get on themselves in a simple, uh, uh, safe way, uh, I thought brought a life to the book that uh, we, and the characters in the book really make you feel and want to, and want to be in that little group. And uh, so, so we, we've enjoyed that. So once we got to the sixth book, we knew each other pretty well. And the book started flowing out a whole lot easier. The first ones were, and the first couple ones, we were struggling a little bit to find what our roles were. But uh, after that, um, I had all the confidence in the world. Uh, we talk about the, the concept, and then Kevin just goes to work. So we had a great, great time, and we, again, thank you so much for coming out. And uh, we thought maybe now we'd open uh, things up for a question and answer. I'm sure you have a lot of questions for Cal. Yeah, we can talk of, about the book, but we can talk about the Orioles, too. Yeah, you can, right? ask, you can ask whatever you want. Talk about I mean, baseball. It's kind of fun to be able to talk on a mic and have it echo in the room like it is. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to do that, um, do we have any mics running around here? Or I know, I know my mic. Yeah, yell, yell it out, I'll repeat it. Yes, sir. I think his story was he was an all-star, but uh, he wound up going to jail. And it's my hope that um, Major League Baseball will give him another chance if he's able to get out of it. Yeah, I, I got a chance to know Willie. Willie was represented by Ron Shapiro, which was my agent. And uh, um, Willie got caught up in, in um, he, he got pulled over to, uh, he was doing a few drugs, and he got pulled over to the wrong side for a little while. And I think that he got caught in a technicality of crack, where they, it was a harsher penalty um, at the time because everybody was, uh, was uh, really worried about it, and they wanted to make it as harsh. And he was, I think, made an example of, or he got caught with too much. I don't know what it was. Mm. Um, and he served a lot of time in jail. And I think um, I was helpful in writing a letter um, through my agent, with my agent, um, uh, to uh, have his case uh, looked upon uh, a little easier. And there was, I guess it was a, 
um, a, a pardon opportunity at the end of, uh, was it uh, George Bush's uh, um, um, time as presidency. Yeah. But, it, but I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to get into that because I don't know a whole lot about it. But I was glad to say I know him, and I was glad to say that he, he should, his case should be looked upon a little bit differently over time now. Um, he served his time, and now he's ready to help kids. And he's, uh, he's really straightened himself out. He's got a wonderful message. And I don't know whether um, what he wants to do in baseball or not, but uh, I know as a person, he now is uh, helping so many other people sidestep some of those things that pull them in the wrong direction. So I personally know Willie. I played winter ball with him. He was with the Kansas City Royals, had a lot of power, big left-handed hitter, could hit the ball uh, as far as anyone. And he was a, he was a jovial, good, uh, good guy. So um, it just goes to show, though, when you make certain choices in your life, there is a price to pay for those choices. Um, and, and I think he paid a steeper price than uh, what he should have. Um, but you've got to be strong when you're getting pulled in the, in the directions to do something that is illegal. And, and that, that was the uh, – and I'm sure he regrets it. But uh, I hope he gets a chance. I hope he gets a chance to be in baseball in some capacity. Yes, sir. Oh, you got one there? What was your favorite book that you wrote? The favorite one? Um, I, I talked about it a little bit. You can see the enthusiasm in my voice. His hothead was, uh, was special to me and my mom. And so talking about my mom's um, ability to help me um, was uh, really, I like bringing tribute to my mom because my dad was in professional baseball, which means there's a game every single day. And when I was growing up for the first 14 years, he was managing in another town. So we didn't see him a whole lot during the summertime until school was out. And then we got, got to go see him. So it was my mom that played the role as dad and mom most of the time. And so it was my mom that taught me how to hit a little bit. It was my mom that uh, would put her arm around me when I had a bad game. And it was my mom, mom that celebrated the good game. So Hothead was the chance to really bring tribute to my mom. And that was my favorite. There's the mic. You have a mic. Oh, there's the mic. Go, you go ahead and. There you go. How did you get into baseball? How did I get into baseball? Yeah. It, it's not too hard to really understand. My dad loved baseball, it was a passion of his life. He didn't get to make it in the big leagues. So he got hurt in the minor leagues, and then he accepted a coaching position in the minor leagues to help other kids get to the big leagues. And he did that really successfully for the first 14 years of his career. And uh, when I was born, I was in a baseball environment. So I got to watch it and see it and listen to it. And I started to like it. And fortunately enough, I had the talent to, to, to be in there. And so uh, um, it, it's like every, every other kid that has a dream to be a big league player, they start when they're five, six, seven, eight years old. And I, and I started when I was eight. Can you go all the way in the back? Because she's very enthusiastic. Um, I saw I saw his mother. No, I told I saw. Yes. I saw his mother on the phone. Guess that was a statement. What was the question? Or you can just say hi on the microphone. It's pretty cool. Hello, hello, hello. Um, I was going to say is, how did you feel when you was playing baseball white? What you feeling? 
hurt or something like that? Um, let me see. There's a lot. There's a lot of ways to answer that question. Um, everybody wants to be a uh, big league player. I wanted to be, but it's hard. And uh, all of a sudden, you're playing against everybody else that's good too. Um, the first time I got to the big leagues in Baltimore, um, I was used to playing in smaller stadiums where hardly anybody came out and watched us. And then all of a sudden, you get to the ballpark and there's the stadium is full. It's a big triple decker stadium. And all of a sudden you get nervous. You look around and you say, oh, I've never played in front of this many people before. So you're really, really excited, but you're really scared and really nervous. And then it, it took a few, few uh, games for me to get my feeling um, that I could play in, in the big leagues. But there's no better job, I think, in this uh, world than to be able to play a sport for a living. And I was lucky enough to do that. Who was your favorite player? Ooh, who was my favorite player? Um, when I grew up, my favorite player was uh, Brooks Robinson. Do you know Brooks Robinson? <laughs> Brooks Robinson um, was the human vacuum cleaner. It was his nickname as a third baseman. Uh, great, great third baseman, Hall of Fame player, and really Hall of Fame person. And I think that's why I liked him so much. Okay, we're being told uh, we have time for one more, one more question. Where's the microphone? Oh, there it is. Baby Ruth, and don't ask me if I played against Babe Ruth. No, don't ask me that. Yeah, well, yeah, Babe Ruth grew up around here, right? Uh, he, uh, yes, he did. He grew up around here, and then he uh, he deserted the town uh, and went to uh, to Boston, and then to New York. But he did grow up around so, here. Babe Ruth might be the most famous of all baseball players. Um, I broke a record of one of Babe Ruth's teammates, yep. um, Lou Gehrig. And Lou Gehrig might, might arguably be one of the best players ever to play. And he played 2,130 games in a row. And I came along and played 2,131 to break his record. And the final number of my game streak was 2,632. So I didn't stop playing once I passed his record. I put 500 more games on it. So thank you very much for your questions. It was very Thanks good. Thanks for coming out, guys.